Hello, my sweets, and welcome back to Shifts and Giggles with Mar. I'm your host, Mar, and today I have a very special guest for you who goes by the name of Matthew Kraftchik. He is an embodiment coach who currently lives in UK London, and we actually met studying architecture many, many, many lifetimes ago, which is quite funny. So I knew I needed to have him on to talk about his journey, everything that he's gone through since that point. And funny enough, we both studied architecture, but we both got into it for very different reasons. With Matthew, his experience is quite similar in that he found that architecture wasn't necessarily what he was hoping it would be either. However, in a very different way, he talks about holding spaces and what architecture means to him as a creator of space. And it's really, really fascinating. I cannot wait for you to hear it. And it just goes to show that only you can see the world through the lens that you see it in. And only you can share your message in the way that you share it. And by doing that, you're actually living your highest purpose. You're living a fulfilled life when you're actually living the only way that you know how to live and that's as yourself and I cannot wait for you to hear how Matthew is doing that so let's get into it. Hello Matt how are you? Hey good very good. (laughs) Good I'm glad. Thank you for joining me today and for being willing to share your story. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So for anyone listening Matt and I went to school together (laughs) quite a bit ago but I don't think we've said two words to each other. I'm not sure how I even had you on Facebook when I connected with you. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how we met, but I, your name sounds so familiar that I know we've it must have been some, something epic back in uni, but right. <laughs> Matt is being so nice here. I am sure that my name sounds familiar, but there is no way that I was doing anything epic in university, I assure you. <laughs> I think I attended a total of maybe two parties ever by people in the architecture program and I made no friends because I thought that I was too cool for Frosh for whatever reason. I was like, oh gosh, I'll just meet people in classes. But lo and behold, everyone in classes were already buddied up and had social circles because they all went to Frosh. So if you're listening to this and you have not yet gone to university, just go to Frosh. Do the thing. Just, just do it. So... You're in the UK now, which you had mentioned to me, but I have no idea how you got there. And I'm really excited to figure out what has happened between, you know, university and now. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there's so much that's happened. How has it played into your healing journey? Like what started, what started it, what inspired you and what were the chapters that went along with all of that? Okay. So I'd say uni was a big one. It's funny how we all cross paths in that time Mm -hmm. um a lot of friends have gone through a lot of stuff (laughs) um but yeah uh a big part of it started for me in i think it was going into fourth year of uni actually Mm. um i wasn't quite happy with my program um i was studying architecture at the time but i felt like it wasn't focused enough on people um Mm. and that was a thing for me there were parts of me that just weren't aligned with what i was doing and i was thinking like is this the right path I'm sure a lot of people have that in uni. You know, they like parts of it, but they're like, is this really what I want to do? Totally. I mentioned that Matt and I got into architecture for very different reasons. Now that I think about it in hindsight, they're probably a little bit more similar than I originally thought. But I wanted to build affordable housing, create community spaces that provided resources for people that needed them. 
And in the program, I actually found out that only 2% of buildings that get put up are designed by architects. The rest of them are designed by contractors and development companies. And if you have seen the Toronto skyline, you would know that that's true because you can tell that they have sort of just squished as many units as they possibly could into the least amount of square footage so that they could make as much money as they possibly could. But I realized that if I were to do architecture, my clients would be very privileged people, and I probably would not be designing affordable housing. It just didn't seem feasible to me anymore, and it sort of put me off of architecture. However, similarly to Matt, where he found the reason that he got into architecture to begin with and the things that actually lit him up about architecture, he's carried those values throughout all of the other projects that he's done throughout his career, and I would say that it's probably the same for me. All of that is to say that even though you've found your purpose, don't feel limited in terms of it being one-track minded. Our purpose can be carried out in many different mediums. So if you've found the things that light you up and the things that bring you joy, but you're not happy with the way that you're doing them, just know that you can carry out those values in other ways as well. And you don't always have to be stuck with the thing that you're in right now if it doesn't make you happy. And at the same time, um, my girlfriend at the time broke up. And that was just like oh. right at the beginning of the school year. I think it was like the day before school started. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it was like it was like a double edged sword. I'm like, oh. Um, but yeah, and it was um it was definitely a time of reflection for me. It was really difficult. Like at the time, I remember the whole concept of love for me um, mm-hmm. was quite hard to grasp, and that relationship made me consider loving somebody else, like somebody other than my you know family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the first time I felt that for somebody else, and. When that kind of fell apart, I was like projecting all this love onto this one person where I was trying to at my best (laughs) at that time. And when that came crumbling down, I didn't know how to hold that for myself. Mm. So it made that all the more difficult where I didn't know how to love myself. And it was it was a difficult few months. I mean, the first few days, it was like a disaster. I was like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to hang on to. You know, like there, I didn't know how to ground myself. I didn't know how to center myself. I didn't know who I was really. And it was a huge shift for me at that time, thinking about this relationship, what is love, who am I, why am I going to school for this, but we aligned with it. Um, so it was, I was a wreck. I mean, I was a wreck for for a long time, um, but I had very supportive friends who were there. Um, <laughs> Those are some big questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of like time sitting on a bench at the park, you know, like the cliche kind of like <laughs> reminiscing about life with like a friend. Um, so it was, it was, it was very helpful. But yeah, that that definitely sparked a lot of reflection onto myself. And in the process, I was realizing like I had really severe anxiety around that time as well. Mm. And I later on, like up until about like two years ago, I just had a severe anxiety. So then in that whole period, it was just severe anxiety since I was a kid and oh, which wow. added on to this whole story. And because of everything kind of crumbling and falling apart at the same time, it made me start to feel rather than to think. Because I was always in the space of thinking, trying to think my way out. University was all about thinking, you know, about the Absolutely. next best formula, the next best philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I was heavily steeped in all of those things. Like architecture for me was thinking about, you know, how do we live in this reality? Basically, like how do we create <laughs> it from like this more practical space that we can touch that's like uh, malleable? And then I would take political science, which was like, how can we think about things in terms of systems and this wider scope of how we all live together and work together? Mm. And then philosophy, which was like, how do we think about what 
the fabric of reality is like. <laughs> and I was trying to think about all of these things, but it was always thinking. Mm. And the deeper I went into it, the more frustrated I got because it just felt off. It didn't feel right. There's a lyric in a DJ Khaled song, Thank You, where Big Sean raps on a verse and he says, when it gets this dark, you got to feel your way out. And I love that lyric so much. It speaks volumes about the ability to know things intuitively just by feeling. So tuning into our emotions, tuning into our bodies. There's so much focus on words and thoughts and it's very easy to think that your thoughts take precedence over anything else because they speak in a language that you use every day, essentially. But the knowledge that comes from your body, which has been with you quite literally your entire life, which I would argue is longer than your mind has been there for you because your mind has gone through all of these developmental things. Your body actually has a memory that goes back further than your mind can. And quoting DJ Khaled and Big Sean, all of that to say is if you're one of those people like myself who focused very much on analytical things and thinking, just understand that you don't have the whole story. <laughs> it's a big pill to swallow, but bear with me. And with all the stuff crumbling, I really started to focus on the feeling aspects. Like I was kind of forced to feel, mm -hmm. like to feel the pain, to feel like the sorrow, to feel things from when I was a kid. Like it was all kind of bubbling up because mm. I just had to sit with it. And that was a big turning point for me. As time went on, like for uni, I ended up staying somewhere last year, finishing. But in that process, I would, I would listen to this inner guidance that would pop up more often. It was mm. as if there was a space that was created where I would listen to my intuition more. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's, it's there for all of us, but it's, it's like, do we hear it? Do we listen to it? And do we follow it? I think Absolutely. that's another step to that. What Matt says here reminds me so much of a quote from The Alchemist where the protagonist is speaking to his heart and it says to him, and I quote, so we, their hearts, speak more and more softly. We never stop speaking out, but we begin to hope that our words won't be heard. We don't want people to suffer because they don't follow their hearts. End quote. That is so powerful. Your intuition is always there for you, but when you don't follow it, when you don't live in integrity with what you actually desire, it becomes harder to listen. And that's why tuning in and doing all of these things is a practice, definitely a practice, and takes intentionality. It's not something that happens by accident. And you will hear how intentionally Matt did that in this podcast. So let's keep going. And up until that point, I was very much on this path of like external success. Like, how do you do well in sports? How do you do well in school? Mm. How do you do well in your career? And I would hear this intuitive thing at times, like sporadically. And I'm like, oh, like I need to stay on this path. You know, this, this makes sense to me. There's like a formula to this. Um, and with all this stuff crumbling, it made me really focus on that inner guidance and like listen to it more, like create space where I could listen to it more. And then from that point, also act on it. So a lot of times, just like, working out but instead of working out just to work out you know to like look good it was like how do I just like feel my body when I work out like when mm. I run how do I just 
you know, not even listen to music, how do I just run and like feel my body, like feel the energy flowing through me? Totally. I feel like it's everyone's worst nightmare to be running and then have your headphones run out of battery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In a way, it's crazy. <laughs> it's so funny, actually. Like it's so few people ride with headphones and you kind of look at somebody like, wow, this person's crazy. Like why, right? <laughs> why are you not having headphones? They're like, weirdo. Wait, like uh, you're just like listening to your own thoughts. That's so strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing. Yeah. We don't really like listen and we don't create a space for ourselves totally yeah i think if that's like the beginning that encapsulates like really just like listening in and i'm sure everybody has their own points but some things have shifted they fall mm-hmm. apart for sure yeah i just started like really listening to that space even in school i remember my last year there were times where i was really stressed out it was like i need to do this assignment and to like force myself to do all these things and forcing is never is always like i think a bad sign you pour <laughs> stuff and it feels heavy and it doesn't feel good like it's not playful it's not fun totally. um for me that often means that i'm not going in the right direction like i'm forcing something that mm-hmm. isn't meant for me so there were times that i just started being fun and like tapping into that playfulness mm-hmm. um and that's kind of where i started finding that intuitive space where it's like oh like all these insights would start coming in i was like oh i should do this and i should like talk to these people or I should go on a walk now or I should I don't know it was just like these little things I think for me it really started with these small little messages from my intuition that I would Mm -hmm. act on and it would just it started just building over the years I love that you talk about having fun though like it's almost like you're reclaiming the relationship with yourself like the first step is like oh right like there's someone there like I should talk to them so first you start listening to them and then eventually you're like oh no we can like have fun together too so you actually start to like enjoy your own company and I love I love that you were like in tune with that and you were like, no, this isn't fun. Like we have to make this fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 100%. 100%. It really just started building uh, that playfulness, that fun. I remember just like starting to like take days off. Like I I don't know if you've had this experience, but once you finish uni, you start having like days off, you know, where you're not doing assignments. You have evenings off and you can kind of just do things that are fun, like do Mm -hmm. things that you love to do. Um, And I think that's like the key word is like love. You're like, I love to do this. Let's Mm -hmm. do this. It's fun. And in those times, I just started making time to figure out what I wanted to do. You know, like, what can I do? How can I create an impact? Like, I'm sure these are all questions that you, that you think about. There is a reason why people call your 20s your most defining decade. Some people call it the worst. Some people call it the most important. And that is because it's pretty much the first time in your life when you are not being told what to do or who you are. And you are really out there in the Wild West with the rest of the adults just trying to figure it out. And I think that's something to remember when you're in your 20s. As much as you are figuring it out, there is no figuring it out. The answers are all within you. School really puts a focus on how to think. And a lot of the times you are actually ignoring how you feel. If you were anything like me, school really stressed you out. I also had a full-time job while I was in university. I really didn't know who I was. I really was just focusing on getting good grades. There were rubrics to tell me what to do and trying to figure out what actually made me happy was really uncomfortable and that was a huge learning curve for me. It wasn't about doing well in a job. For me, it was more so, who am I? And that was a huge question that I still ask myself today. I was like really drawn to creating spaces. Like I I studied architecture (laughs) and this this kind of like personal journey of like tapping into the intuition of like figuring out how we can kind of shift reality and like have fun and co-create like this experience for ourselves um was kind of mirrored in architecture and i was like how can we create spaces where you know you can be your best self and i was like trying to merge these worlds um, i freaking love that <laughs> <laughs> i mean I it's like that. not often we go to like 
like I don't say fun places, but spaces that make us come alive. You know, like yes. it's there are very few places. And I remember in university there was one like the Center for Social Innovation. It was like right by campus. And it was like this first space that I went to and it was just so alive. And I felt like incredible and like I could express myself and I could grow that. It really made me consider what spaces could be like and what community could be like. And that kind of like continued the shift for me was how do we do these things together? You know, it's not just us. Mm-hmm. Um, like it is an introspective journey, but there are others, you know, and there's mm-hmm. this magic in creating together with others. And yeah, and then it kind of like all this stuff in a sense spiraled. Um, like I started this design firm around that concept, co-creating spaces, uh, co-creating transformative spaces. And then I had this like urge for like a year to leave Toronto, which was like this crazy thing. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to buy a one-way ticket and I'm just going to leave. And no way. Did you yeah. live in Toronto for like your entire life before that? No. So I lived... I lived a few hours south, like in Windsor, um, okay, and then I okay. moved to Toronto for uni. And Toronto was this incredible place with all these magical people, but there just came a point where I was like, my heart was just calling me to go somewhere else. And it was like that intuitive voice that was like, you need to go, you know, things are good here, but like to to learn and to grow and to become more of yourself, you have to go to Europe. And I was like, this like <laughs> big feeling. I, I was it. like, I don't know where, but I have to go and I will figure it out. And I, you. yeah, yeah, it was those were like the next kind of like terrifying steps I got. <laughs> but eventually like I saved up I left and then I just traveled around for a little bit and I was just trying to to connect with that space like I think at that point for me that intuitive message was kind of it was very energetic for me like that's always how I've interpreted it mm-hmm. and it kept kind of like guiding me energetically to like the next space so like I feel like a pull I was like okay it's like it's like a GPS. I'm like, okay, it's over here. I love that. Yeah, I guess long story short, I, I ended up in the Canary Islands um, in Spain. Wow. And it was like this amazing paradise, but I also at the same time had like this existential like instant where I just didn't know what I was doing with my life, you know? Like I, mm-hmm. I still didn't, I still couldn't fully connect with myself. I was in this amazing space where things have kind of shifted and everything externally is so beautiful. But internally, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. You know, like, how do I, the way that I feel, like, how do I fit into, I guess, I don't say society, but how do I like fit into roles that don't aren't really meant for me? Or how do I find roles that are meant for me? Um, I was very much in the space where I didn't know what to do. Do I go back to Toronto? Do I go somewhere else? So I spent a year there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to figure <laughs> it out. And my girlfriend at the time who I met there, her plan was actually to to move to the UK, to go to, to England. And I was quite apprehensive at first, but maybe <laughs> moving from like this tropical place to the UK. But um, <laughs> at the end, it was like this period of my life where I actually started losing that sense of intuition and I didn't know what to do. Like I didn't feel any guidance. I didn't know where to go. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel a pull. It was kind of like this like dark night of the soul in a way. The term dark night of the soul that Matthew just said is widely used in the spirituality community and Eckhart Tolle, a spiritual guidance teacher, I guess you could describe him as, talks about the dark night of the soul being a period where everything sort of loses meaning. It really helps you realize that the things around you and the way that you feel really comes from your mind. It comes from the way that you feel about things and the meaning that you impose on those things and project on them. It's kind of a depressing 
place to be in, but it's also really exciting once you get past all of that because it means that the meaning that you had previously ascribed to things no longer exists and the realm of possibility for the meaning and things that you can bring into your life is so much greater than you could have ever imagined. So it's a really interesting concept that I highly encourage you to read up on and look into if you are in a tough place or even if you're just curious. And I was like, I was freaking out, you know, like I was wow. no money at the point. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't want to go back home and, you know, restart. So I was like, I'm just going to keep pushing on into the unknown. And we decided to go to London. And I remember London for me, like just, just like this feeling, this intuitive feeling was just darkness. I was like, oh, wow. it's going to be a dark place. And I was trying <laughs> to like talk myself up, you know, like, it's going to be great. It's a new place. It's traveling. It's going to be fun. But Lo and behold, I mean, your intuition, I don't think, is ever wrong. Um, and it was quite difficult to start uh, for the first year and a half. And like things just kind of progressively got more difficult. Like that relationship fell apart. I lost my job. I was like, I had no money. And yeah, it was like this time where like all three things fell apart, like within like a month or two. Wow. Each other. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I was just in London. I remember I was like, what do I do? But I, but I also remember, so like at that point, everything externally was just crumbling. Like I was so far from home. I had like no friends around. Like I knew like two people in the city and it was, it was like this calling card for me. Like, what do I do next? But I remember that that point, everything externally was just falling apart, but internally my intuition was just like, I just like felt grounded, like in my heart. And I was like, I will be okay. Like, I don't know what is going to happen, but I'm excited. This is like a new opening. It's like the seed is growing. I don't know what it's going to end up being, but it's going to be okay. And I just remember holding two spaces at that time. I was like, this external is like crazy. I have no idea what's going to happen in love. Like, how could I pay rent or anything? But it's going to somehow work out. Yeah. And then it just, it's everything just started coming together. I felt like at that point, I shed so many of these layers and I had to really like sit with myself. And then after that, I, like I moved, I like found a different place. I finally had space to myself and I spent over a year just at home. Like, I mean, like after work, but like <laughs> at home, you know, the weekends at home, just like sitting with myself, like feeling feelings, crying, <laughs> laughing, like doing, doing all that stuff. It was a very like eat, pray, love kind of um, <laughs> <In> thing, <London. laughs> but like, staycation, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was like a pretty intense year of just sitting with myself like I knew that there was a lot of stuff coming up and there was a lot of like space I needed to hold for myself and at that point I felt like I could hold it it was a very magical year like it was there was a lot of fears that I had to get over like just fears about success and about you know belonging and mm -hmm. and all of these things and they they were really just stemming from my mind right and I need to just like reconnect with my body so that for that whole process I was really keen on just like getting deeper into my body into like breathing practices into running into walking into just being on my own like disconnecting kind of from people like <laughs> weekends, and just being there with myself um and that's that's kind of like brought me you know closer to like these last like couple of years here um so that. uh, yeah I love that you talk about like the fear of success a lot of people are like what are you talking about and I'm like no I genuinely have a fear of success I feel like within the last few months, I've been able to work on it and like move past it. But it's a, it's a real thing. People don't understand. They're like, wait, you mean like afraid of failing? And I'm like, no. Anytime something goes good, you feel like the other shoe is going to drop and you like, you almost make it happen. 
I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but just the fear of success and like sitting with yourself and understanding where it really comes from is a really interesting thing. And it's interesting to hear that you've been through it as well. Yeah, I, I like. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I'm um, like, I don't even know how to put it into no, words. No, no, no. I totally get it. I totally get it. <laughs> it's weird. It's like when you do think about like these things that you that you want to do or become, like all these fears are start coming up, and then they kind of start sabotaging your idea of success. Right? <laughs> can't be that thing. But often, like the success that we know that we can hold is a lot greater than what we can even imagine and we kind of know that intuitively like we might not know what the end goal is going to be or you know like these different steps but we know that we can be much more and hold much more and and all of that and I think that's scary because the only way to get there is to get through all the demons you know like (laughs) get through all the trauma integrate so much stuff and it's like we have to face ourselves in order to like get to be in that successful, you know, quote unquote successful position. But absolutely. I think you're right by like, by trauma is totally the capacity to hold all of that trauma also shows us the capacity that we hold for all of the great things as well. So there's the duality of it where it's like, yes, I do have to face all of that stuff. But once I deal with it, all of that space is now opened up for all of the success and abundance and whatever else I desire now has room for. Yes, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, the whole concept of holding space is like the more space you hold, like the more space you kind of free up through integrating and through, you know, sitting with those aspects of yourself, like the more room you, yeah, like you said, to hold for abundance, to hold for love, to hold for other people. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so you now are an embodiment coach, which I don't know if a lot of people know what embodiment is. How did you find out about it? What brought you to coaching and what brought you to this method? So it came intuitively. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny. I mean, my I feel like since all of those things from like my past have guided me more toward intuition to really literally embodying that intuitive side, like that higher self mm. um, in everything that I do that has kind of brought out like even the term embodiment i when i started saying that and i started using that in my practice i didn't i didn't even know if it was really something that was recognized but it felt right i was Mm. like this makes sense yeah Um, and then funny enough like anything i guess in life like once you start focusing on something it starts popping up everywhere Mm -hmm. and some (laughs) other coaches that i followed that were like these great coaches and they actually like started shifting their practice and calling embodiment i was like what are the odds like this is so crazy (laughs) like within like a month i was like this is this is a sign i love that but yeah so embodiment is it's really about learning how to get out of your head um and into your body Mm. and through that process of getting in into your body of really feeling like different aspects of your physical body of your emotional body of your mental body etheric and beyond you start to get out of your head so you start to learn how it is to live life outside of thinking outside of the mind Mm -hmm. which i think for a lot of people and even for me in the past i didn't even know that was a thing like i didn't think that you could be outside i thought the mind kind of was in a sense everything you know like absolutely yeah you think therefore like you are kind of thing right and especially in the world of academia like if you're not thinking like everything is kind of standardized or compared in terms of your thinking which is kind of scary Mm -hmm. absolutely (laughs) (laughs) like we're so much more than that um like it's a really important aspect of us but it isn't us you know it's not like the Mm -hmm encapsulating us so as an embodiment coach it's guiding people through breath work through visualizing through understanding different patterns throughout their day and their life energetically Mm -hmm. so once you start getting into your body you start to feel right and that can first just be like you know the sensation of your heart beating like how many people actually feel that often (laughs) 
And then it, you can start focusing on different body parts and you start feeling tingling in your hands. And the more you focus on different areas of your body through meditation and just focus, you start to feel more deeply into those spaces and you start feeling your body energetically. So for me, over time, like at first, I could only kind of feel my hand tingling. You know, it's like, oh, this is cool. Like, what is what is this? <laughs> and then I could start feeling different parts of my body kind of it was almost like awaken. You know, it was like mm. there, were, there was all this unawareness in my body um unconsciousness and when i started focusing on those areas i could start bringing kind of consciousness into those areas both physically kind of like feeling wise like energetically you start feeling the energy in those spaces and then emotionally mm -hmm. a lot of these like trapped emotions that were in different spaces in my body started coming up yes. and feeling them i really want to do an episode on breath work and if you haven't tried it i suggest you do Breathwork is incredible. So the way that I discussed your body speaking a different language as your thoughts, breathwork is a way that you can actually communicate with your body right back and tell it that it's safe. So if you have any energy that is stagnated within your body and that stays there because of past traumas, stresses that stay within you, you can communicate right back by controlling your breath. You are actually communicating to your body that it's okay to release those stresses and you can actually complete your stress cycles. So sometimes your fingers will tingle. For me, that happens all the time. And most recently, I've been doing breath work in the bathtub because it helps oxygen run through your body a little bit easier. It's just a really cool experience. So if you haven't done it, just YouTube breathwork exercise and do it for like 10 minutes and you will find such a shift i promise so that was a lot of that that year that i had like processing stuff it was like <laughs> meditating getting into my body allowing these kind of trap things to come up and then just like allowing them to flow out so be mm. it like literally just cry laugh just feel love in your heart and just try to like in a sense like rewrite those past times of just like love even the difficult times, just like feel it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So through the practice, you really just start to tap into your body. And when you do that, you start to like regain your innate power over yourself. So first of all, like that's the mind. Mm -hmm. You can start to say control your thoughts, but you learn how to disconnect from thoughts. To yes. not be those thoughts, not be dragged away by thoughts, not to be caught up in the chaos of thoughts, you know, of worries, of anxieties, um, mm -hmm. fears. Um, so you can really step back disconnect which is like i remember at times in the past something that seemed like almost impossible like how can you disconnect from your thoughts or you're worried about something yeah but you can just you can see those thoughts and you can kind of be you know hold both spaces like we were saying holding space before you can mm -hmm. hold space for both you can hold space for that thought you can hold space for you know like your heart and love and your higher self at the same time Mm -hmm. um, and then in that space, you have choice, you have agency. So you can choose what you want to give your energy to. You can give it to thoughts that are more exciting to you, visions that are more exciting to you, to people that, you know, that you love and not kind of be carried away by, you know, these other thoughts or that, that literally can drain your energy, you know, fearful thoughts and anxious thoughts. They, mm -hmm. they slow you down, they make you more tired. So it's got like reinvigorating. Yeah, they're like energy vampires. You exactly. don't even realize. And you're like, wait a second, why do I feel so drained? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like cutting those, cutting all those cords, basically. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's like the, the biggest part of it is like getting into your body, disconnecting from the mind. And also through that process, as you kind of go deeper, you start to really get into like for me my experience was getting into the energetic side of things yes so 
the more I got into my body, the more I could feel energy. And that reconnected me. So this is kind of when I was, well, before I started coaching, but I, I realized and I connected these kind of past experiences that I had as a kid that have kind of like repressed almost being able to like sense energy, like to feel subtle energy. Mm-hmm. And that was a thing as a kid that I could feel like people and places and spaces. And it'd be like a very emotional kind of response to those things. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like an overlay of energy over everything. So I'd first process it as an energy. And then I would kind of like speak about things, if that makes sense, or communicate like mm-hmm. words were in a sense secondary to me and energy was first. Right. But over all those years of school and success and all these things, I, I really pushed it down. So I reconnected with that through the process of of embodiment. And then... I started really like playing with that a bit more as I started gaining more energy through these practices. I started realizing like, like you mentioned previously to like manifestation, um, how you can start manifesting things, how you can start, you know, healing your body in different ways with all this extra energy you have. So being able to cultivate and hold more of that space and more of that energy and redirect it and be sensitive to like the feedback of it was a big, a big thing for me and a big thing that I've added into to coaching itself to allow people not to just not just to be able to disconnect from everything and realize you know like how they can feel and reconnect with their body but once they do once they step into that power once they step into that energy what they can do with it you know how they can share that how they can spread that in the world how they can impact others totally yeah I love that you say it's like a reconnecting and you talk about your childhood I feel like a common thread between talking to a few people now is that it's more so remembering than it is learning a new skill. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that we've always known mm-hmm. and that comes naturally to us. And you're right. Like things like university and school, there's such flawed systems in the way that they teach us to think and not, not feel. There's like no emphasis on feeling and, and emotions, mm-hmm. which is kind of strange. Yeah. 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 I think you hit the nail on the head there with that, with the remembrance, especially like for me. And I think I, I, for you maybe as well as when you when you think about things, the things that made you happiest as a kid the ways that, that you felt or the things that you did those are often the things that you know we want to keep doing as we grow up and we we don't allow ourselves to but as we as we grow up it's like how can we hold space for both you know like how can we hold space mm-hmm. for being more conscious more aware of everything how how everything works and how we affect everything but also holding space to have fun to be playful totally to just you know, not take things as seriously. Something that's really important, but I think a lot of people lose as they get older, is that the entire point of life is to have fun, to experience bliss, to really just enjoy your time on this earth. Really nothing else matters. As we get older and we learn our lessons and we tap into our intuition and gain wisdom, sometimes we feel like that becomes the new normal and that's what growth means. It means to shed all of the playfulness. Matthew talks about holding several spaces within yourself, and I think that's really important to acknowledge here as well, that there is space within you, especially as you grow, for all of that wisdom, for the knowledge of your intuition, for the expansion of what you know your consciousness is, and also holding space for the playfulness and keeping that going as well. I think that's a big one too, is the not taking things too seriously. Like we can, as adults, like we we like to have a plan for everything and rationally you know that makes sense so like let's plan mm-hmm. but sometimes in that playfulness like 
there's so much magic that can happen. Absolutely. So many, so many random synchronicities that can happen, you know, meeting the right people at the right time or the right opportunities. And that usually comes from a sense of play. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like the more play and the more of that kind of like exciting energy we can embody, who knows what can happen? It's almost like you can throw plans out the window because when you hold that space, things that you couldn't have even ever imagined can happen. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, it's, it's not like a linear path anymore. It's like this exponential quantum path of, of things, really. It's much <laughs> more exciting, I think, uh, to live from that space. Absolutely. It's like, I like to call it the quantum playground. Like when Ooh, you, I like that. I like that. <laughs> when you leave room to have play and you leave room for the universe to be able to surprise you, that's where you experience joy and delight and all of those magical, like there really is no other word to describe it except for magical. That's actually mm. what it feels like. Mm. I love that. It sounds like you've shifted everything you've learned into such incredible purpose to not only live like such a fulfilled life, but also to help other people live fulfilled lives. What would you say is the most exciting thing about being able to coach other people? I think oddly enough, it's kind of, it's interesting. It's um, it's really exciting to actually step aside from yourself. It's almost mm. as if when you're coaching others, you're like being a channel for like love and for, you know, excitement and higher purpose and higher selves. So being in that kind of like peak state of coaching, it's it's really like stepping aside. It's like, it's not about me at all. You know, it's mm. it's allowing that to flow through for the, the individual to see themselves and like the excitement that they can hold and the fun they can hold and what they can become and what can they, they can do and who they are, you know, at like the deepest level. And I think that's the fun part. It's, it's stepping aside, letting that flow through and allowing the other person to kind of be activated. It like triggers these things within them that they realize like, wow, I can and I am so much more than I believe, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like this magical transformative process of seeing people's eyes like light up, you know? (laughs) Not only like in that moment, but over time, you know, there's so much energy that comes into people's bodies, that comes into their lives, like so many shifts that happen, but it's all going into a space that is like their highest, I'm going to say potential, but like their higher self, like these higher quantum potentials of what you could be doing. And that's amazing. Like, I, I don't know what's more exciting than that. You know, it's like, it's <laughs> totally. like, like, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. As you were describing that, I like, you keep talking about spaces and we keep going back to architecture and design. It almost feels like you, like you are the architect of their safe space where they can discover their highest selves. It's almost like you hold up funhouse mirrors to them and like create this I don't know like I just imagine this really like playful space and I I imagine that's probably what it feels like to work with you as an embodiment coach which is probably really really fun for your clients so I'm so happy you get to do that (laughs) (laughs) well congratulations on you know all of your healing all of your personal healing but also the healing that you've done for everyone else and this is another common thing that comes up but people think that when they hold on to pain that they're taking ownership of it and that it doesn't affect anyone else, but it completely does. It affects not only the people around you, but just, I don't know if energetically you believe in like vibrations. It sounds like you probably do, but your vibration, you know, has an effect on, on everyone, on the universe, on the greater good. And when you step into your healing and you own that and you own living at your highest vibrational, beautiful self, you raise the vibration of everyone else. So 
thank you for all of the work that you're doing. And yeah, <laughs> thank uh, you. Thank you for that beautiful of like encapsulating it, like perfectly aligned like message that you've kind of like put together there. Yes. Like, uh, <laughs> so if anyone wants to work with you or find you, where can they do that, Matt? So Instagram is one. Uh, it's Matthew.CraftCheck. So M-A-T-H-E-W dot K-R-A-W-C-Z-Y-K. Amazing. Um, I will link that as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and same for the website is the same dot uh, com. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for taking the time. I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening because it's the evening in the UK. Thank you. Thank you for having me and for holding the space for all these amazing people. <laughs> um, I really appreciate it. Cheers. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today and for showing up for yourself. I want to know what resonated with you. Let me know what shifted and let me know what made you giggle by leaving me a review on iTunes. You can also follow me on Instagram at Shifts and Giggles with Mar so we can follow along on each other's journeys. I am sending each and every one of you so much love. I hope you feel it, take that energy, and shift it into something beautiful for yourself. I will see you on the next episode. <laughs>